successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us today on the KMBZ Business Channel, 1660 AM and on KMBZ.com. Also appreciate you listening to our show on iTunes. Stitcher Radio and TuneIn Radio, and for uh, checking us out on GrillNationShow.com. Very excited about today's show, but before we get to it, I want to uh, I want to thank our partners and supporters of Grill Nation who continue to take the show to the next level and uh, bring excitement and energy to it every each and every week. Uh, Kenny Hertz Perry, attorneys at law. Uh, John Kenny Hertz is a guest co-host and contributor to Grill Nation. I know you love. Uh, his, uh, his, uh, energy and, uh, great interviewing skills. We appreciate him coming on the show once a month. The Bash Group, uh, Andrew Bash, he's a guest co-host and contributor. He will be on the show, uh, very, very soon, uh, co-hosting with me and, uh, provides a really interesting insight. He goes pretty deep into the conversation and has a great company, uh, The Bash Group. Uh, Ryan Maybe, who will be joining, uh, me on this show, uh, and actually in this next segment, uh, he is uh, with the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange and Jay Rieger and Co. Whiskey. He is a guest co-host and contributor. Uh, he is going to contributing guest host for us once uh, a quarter, which I think is real interesting because of his background and Kansas City as a whole, but also in the restaurant and um, alcohol industry and uh, restaurant tour industry, entrepreneur industry. He's, he does a lot of different things and really excited to have him on our first segment today. He's He's going to be on the show. He recently and actually will be taking us through the interview today, which we will be doing here shortly. Also want to thank Catalyst uh, Government Affairs. Our political contributor to Grill Nation is Danny Pfeiffer. Uh, Kansas City Power and Light District, who uh, we had Nick Benjamin on recently. He's the executive director. They are supporters and partners of Grill Nation as well. I want to thank all of our partners and contributors and co-hosts for helping keep Grill Nation going and for making it a great show. You can connect with Grill Nation on Twitter at Grill Nation Show, and you can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill. Appreciate you guys listening to the show, sharing the show, and always connecting to me via social media. Want to bring in our guest co-host and contributor, Grill Nation, and who will be joining us for the entire show today. We have Ryan Maybe, who is uh, again with the Rieger Grill Hotel and Exchange, Jay Rieger and Co Whiskey, also Manifesto, Jack of All Trades. Ryan, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks. Good to have you here. Um, first off, uh, we're going to be talking to Butch Rigby too today. Got to mention that, and and he will be having three segments with Butch talking about first off his background, the Screenland, the movie industry, Kansas City development. He does everything. The guy's awesome, and and I'm very excited about that interview. Um, I think it's going to be must listen. So uh, pretty I pumped about that. Yeah. What do you, you agree uh, about that? He's had a, a tremendous amount of influence on the crossroads downtown Kansas City uh, development, and personally, he's been uh, he's been kind of a, a mentor and inspiration. Yeah, and and too now he's evolving into different areas of the town too. With, yeah, with, with development. Yeah, he's expanding down to uh, Brookside, Troost. He's got a he's got a lot of irons in the fire. He does, he does, and it's funny because he was a it was an educated attorney like me, but he's doing all kinds of entrepreneurial <laughs> stuff. But we're gonna find out why today on the show. So Ryan, what's going on with you, man? What's going on with uh, your businesses? Well, uh, and first yeah. of all, thank you for uh, for being a supporter and partner now with the oh, Real Nation show. Oh, this is a lot of fun. I I enjoy doing this. It's great. Um, the businesses are. Um, I'm just incredibly bu- I'm busier than I've ever been. It's one of those things like I've always, ever since opening my own business, you know, it kind of consumes you. It kind of takes up all of your time. And even when you're not working, you're still working, you know, but I'm busier now than at, at any point. And yet I'm also for, for whatever reason, uh, happier and even maybe a little bit more calm. I think I'm kind of 
uh, getting in into my finding my groove as far as uh, my role in in uh, running multiple businesses and uh, and having a plan and uh, and getting out there and making it happen. So it's 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 exciting. You know, the Rieger just turned four years old in December. Uh, Manifesto just turned six years old uh, just a few weeks ago. We've been there for mm. for six years now, and then uh, Jay Rieger and Company is brand new, but we've got a, a lot of uh, exciting things happening. I'm now. seeing the whiskey everywhere. It's, seeing it at people's desks, you know, a lot of gifts being given out, uh, a lot yeah. of bars in town. Yeah, actually, I just saw a really funny one of those funny lists on the on the internet just the other day about like twenty one signs you're a hipster living in Kansas City, and one of them was you drink Jay Rieger Kansas City whiskey, <laughs> and that that made me laugh. Oh, that's funny. And uh, the restaurant's doing well. The restaurant is rocking. Howard, uh, my my. Uh, Partner and executive chef just got uh, a semifinalist nod once again for the James Beard Award. I feel like the uh, the service is impeccable. It's operating at the highest level that it has in our our four and a half year existence for sure. Very cool. I wanted to kind of get into in our first segment today before we bring on our guest. Um, talk to you about you know your office or your office. Your restaurant is in the crossroads. Um, it's on Main Street. Yeah, we're and, at Twentieth and Main. Twentieth and Main and. There is a obviously a lot of development going on in that area, uh, especially with the streetcar. It goes right down the street. Um, <laughs> yeah. Tell me about what that experience has been like for you. And as someone who's lived in downtown, works in downtown, pretty much does most of his business in downtown. What has that been like? Well, you know, it's it's been it, it, it's what you would expect from a, a construction zone. It is at times a, a nuisance. It's at times a, a bit of a pain, but. You know, like you said, I, I, I live in downtown, I work in downtown, I own a, a, a business in downtown, and quite frankly, it's what I want to see in downtown. I, wanna, I would rather be uh, navigating yellow cones and construction sites in, in an urban area than uh, passing by vacant buildings and empty surface lots. I think, you know, a, the construction like that and all, the, all those things happening, while they might be... Uh, a bit of an annoyance right now or make things a, a little bit inconvenient they are it, it's a sign of progress so mm-hmm. i'm all for it um which is interesting because i feel like the media puts kind of a negative rush on a lot of the people that are down there experiencing that yeah i and I, i'm not I'm not really sure why that is i don't know you know what benefit there is to try and spin it like it's uh um a big negative thing uh, you know we haven't i was concerned a little bit i i did support uh, the streetcar plan. I voted for it. I think it's a good thing for the city. I think we needed to have some sort of a spark for improving our uh, public transportation in in the urban core. Um, but you know, it has. I was worried about the impact that it would have in the short term, and looking more at the long term. I was really hopeful for the long term, but you know, kind of bracing myself for maybe a little bit of a downturn in business uh, early on. But fortunately, we haven't experienced that at all. Even with you know, uh, parking being uh, somewhat taken away. We lost some on-street parking right in front of the business for a while. Um, other parking lots were uh, off limits due to buildings being constructed. So I did think maybe we would see uh, a bit of a negative impact, but it just didn't happen. Last year, you know, during the thick of all this, we had our best year yet. Really? Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. So it's uh, that's exciting. You know, it tells me that people are willing to, um, they're willing to, deal with those minor inconveniences to, to get a really uh, unique downtown Kansas city experience. That's interesting because we don't hear that enough. So thanks for sharing that viewpoint. Well, and I know, (laughs) and I, I, you know, I want everybody to succeed. I want all of the businesses in downtown to succeed. If, if we lose businesses because of the construction that's happening, that's unfortunate. That's sad. And I, I certainly don't want that to happen, but I would say that, um, I've seen very little of that and I've heard more, um, personally heard more from other business owners in the neighborhood and in the area, the same thing that I've experienced. So mm-hmm. as far as the way the media uh, at times has spun it, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, tell me about, you know, you guys are right on main street there and there's, there's a lot of things happening around you. I mean, any you can discuss with, there's a, a multifamily place going up, right? Yeah. So right on the, the North side of uh, the restaurant, the Rieger hotel uh, has been an empty surface lot. I think it's about, uh, fifteen to eighteen thousand square feet uh, plot of land, and uh, it's been empty for as long as I've been in the neighborhood, which is ten years. And there's now it's under construction right now, being developed into a five-story 
uh, multi-use, first floor retail, and then the, the top floors, uh, market rate, residential uh, mm-hmm. apartments and lofts. And uh, it was those guys that are that own it and are developing that site uh, came right out and said they're building it there because of the streetcar. The streetcar is stopping right in front of that building and my restaurant. There's a stop right there. So that spurred that development. Mm-hmm. Uh, across the street has been... Yeah, it's been it was, kind of an eyesore, hasn't it? Oh, man. You know, I, I've been in... <laughs> and for all our listeners, that's basically the other side where, um, across from the Rieger, I mean, literally, where the old Hereford house was. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been in the, the building there at the Rieger for uh, over six years now, and I've been, every day I look out the window at uh, this you know beautiful old building, the Midwest Hotel, that is just really uh, uh, almost beyond repair. It's It's been in bad shape. And then, of course, there was the Hereford house... Uh, explosion back in uh, I think 2009, and since then, I mean, nothing has been done. I think it, it's it's been passed around to a couple different banks, been in for, foreclosure, but it has recently been purchased by uh, another property owner down in the crossroads that's motivated to get something done with it. He also owns the three-story red brick building just immediately to the north of that mm-hmm. that lot, uh, which used to be the DB warehouse, and he's currently uh, refurbishing that. He's got a, a sign-up to lease it out. So I think there's a lot happening there. And then if you look at the south side of uh, Main Street on, on 20th, this plan has been uh, tossed around for a while now, but it's finally coming to fruition where they're going to completely uh, rehabilitate 20th Street, change it into uh, – uh, single lane each direction, expanded really? pedestrian right of way, and it's it's more or less a, a beautification project for 20th. That is going to be happening, you think? That, uh, it is happening. Okay. They actually start replacing all the water mains this month, and wow. uh, that's a that's a big big chore. Those water mains are over 100 years old. And we're seeing a lot of obviously multifamily. You talked about on your street, uh, but also hotels. Yes, Essentially hotels <clears throat> being built downtown. Yeah, I, I believe that. The the southeast corner of 20th and Main, uh, which is that kind of triangular viaduct uh, surface parking lot, um, there there was a bit of a, an issue with a, a billboard that was planted on that lot yeah. right on 20th. And yeah. uh, obviously a very visible billboard. And if people sure. don't know, billboards can be uh, quite lucrative, I guess. It, it can right. be a, a pretty big business very depending lucrative. on your location. So there was a bit of a hang up with the billboard, but I I think that got worked out. And as far as I know, plans are in place to start uh, constructing a Hilton hotel on that lot sometime this year. And there's one up by Anton's going in a courtyard. There's another Marriott going on in up there. And obviously, you know, it's it's great for your business. man. It's great. I mean, to see hotels, the the one across the street from us at at 20th, the Hilton, uh, as far as I know, that's going to be about 160 rooms and they won't have any food service. So if you think about, let's say the the hotel was even 70 or 80% occupancy on a regular basis, and all of those people coming to Kansas City and staying there right on the southern edge of the crossroads, uh, they're going to be supporting businesses down there. They're mm-hmm. going to be supporting my business, and they're going to support all the other restaurants and shops and art galleries and everything else that are, that are right there within walking distance. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting because I've stayed in one of those hotels, and they're nice um, in Nashville. And so that's cool if that, if that gets done. And Absolutely. If, you know, and they didn't have food service, so I was ordering pizza and walking across. The- right. You're fight. You're trying to find eats, so that's great. Yeah. Well, um, again, Ryan maybe is guest coasting the show today, and uh, really excited to have you on Grill Nation as a partner and uh, guest co-host here once every uh, few months. Yeah, uh, we're gonna Thanks, have man. some. We're gonna have some awesome shows. We're gonna bring you guys some really high end restaurant tours, thought leaders, Kansas City development people. We're gonna have some cool shows, and uh, appreciate you adding your uh, your take to the show. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we'll be right back after the break. On Grill Nation, thanks for listening to us on the KMBZ Business Channel, 1660 AM, and on KMBZ.com. We'll be right back. Running down the street like your hair's on fire. Thoughts running fast like a man on a wire. Can't stop laughing, but I don't know why. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, I'm up at Brooklyn. Now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to the narrow. But I'll be hood forever. I'm the new Sinatra. And since I made Welcome back to Grill Nation. This is your host, Jason Grill, alongside guest co-host and contributor Ryan Maybe. Ryan, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for joining me again. Ryan's gonna be Pleasure. doing this uh once a quarter. Brings a new flair to the Grill Nation <laughs> that we haven't had in a while. Um really excited about our guest on today's show. Uh I know you've known him for a while and, and uh I've known him. Uh, shoot, since I've been when I first started running for office back in the early 2000s, I think. 
Yeah. But uh, my dad knew him in a former life of his, which we're going to get to in a second. But uh, we have Butch Rigby on Grill Nation today. And Butch is the owner of Screenland Theaters and the Film Row Company. Uh, Butch, welcome to the show. Ah, great to be here, Jason. Ryan, you're you're a pro at these things, aren't you? I'm a, an unpaid pro. I think you're supposed to get paid if you're a pro. Let's just call me a, an adapt amateur. So, uh, if our listeners don't know, Butch, Butch is involved with. It's kind of funny. I think all of us in the studio right now are pretty entrepreneurial people, but I think Butch has been involved in a lot of really cool, interesting, awesome things that have happened in Kansas City throughout the years. So that's why I wanted to have him on the show. But people don't know a lot about Butch's start and his background, so we wanted to start with that today. Butch, uh, tell us about kind of uh, what your first life was, and then we'll get into kind of what you do now. Well, you know, going back to the very first life, it was roofing and painting houses to get through college. I had worked a little construction. Uh, you know, we I went to UMKC, and so I uh, ended up just finding the best way to pay for school was uh, roofing houses, painting houses, uh, hauling heavy shingles, a lot of fun. I also went to law school. and uh, Did you do that at UMKC, too? I did at UMKC, graduated in 1985, and worked a couple of years, really got that law degree to help me as a film producer, Mm -hmm. which is what I thought I would be. And I worked a couple of years, uh, you know, I'd I'd take cases here here and there and started making a little money doing it. But uh, in 1989, I went out and I worked movie crews in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I mean, grew my hair long, Worked as a grip, stunt crew assistant, uh, worked on the shop maker a couple of times, even a bit actor now and then. So I, I had a Hey, we got something in common there. We'll get to that later <laughs> in the show. I talked to Ryan about that earlier. But so you did do the you had the whole uh whole Hollywood, Hollywood, whole experience. Hollywood experience. I mean Where did you live when you were out there? I lived in North Hollywood and Venice Beach, depending on where we were shooting. I had a couple of couches that that, that were available to me. That's awesome. I'm going out there in a couple of weeks, so just oh. to California, I mean, in, into California, into Santa Monica and Venice. So, hanging yeah. out with Clooney? Not with Clooney, no, no, no. I'll be. I'm hoping I'll see some extras. So, last time I was there, I literally saw John Stamos and Elaine from Seinfeld in the exact same day, uh, which is extremely random, you know, to see two '90s uh, superstars in one day in LA. But uh, so you did that out there, and I did that out the bug there. And caught the bug, and you know, always had the bug. And and when I got out there, I realized, you know. If I went out there with the law degree, a buddy of mine told me, you're going to be writing real estate contracts for the movie studios on their old stuff. And so I just decided to skip that part of it and get some real hands-on experience and mm-hmm. got got a job as a grip on a very low-budget movie. I think it paid $50 a day and had cold meals. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was a great way to get introduced to it. Yeah, and how long were you out there? About a year and a half. Okay. You know, then I came back to Kansas City. I had some little rental houses I had bought during college and worked on those for a while and really realized that I I want I'm not one of those guys that hated L.A., but I love Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And I realized I could do just as much in Kansas City as I could in Los Angeles, you know, to kind of fill that film need. And so got back here and started the film society with some guys started. Thank you, Walt Disney, uh, you know verifying uh, kind of the Disney history here in Kansas City and really uh, have never regretted that. Mm-hmm. Um, how old were you at this point? You were still in your 20s, weren't you? Still in my 20s. Uh, got back right when I turned 30. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I uh, I had driven out there and uh, Rex Gabbert, now Court of Appeals judge, drove with me and we loaded up a Fiat. <laughs> and uh, I think I had my 30th birthday uh, dinner with Rex at Musso and Frank Grill. So when I got back, I was 31. Okay. And you uh, you talked about being able to do as much as you could um, here as you could there. I think that is the sediment in a lot of people's lives right now, you know, with, with they're staying in Kansas City and in- instead of moving to the coast um, because they can do a lot of good things here and they can travel wherever they want to go because they're in the middle of the country, right? Jump Absolutely. on an airplane and go anywhere. Absolutely. We're three hours from everywhere. I mean, I can get to L.A., I can get to San Diego in three hours. I can, uh, you know, do everything in the film business that I want to do. I really discovered eventually that I would rather stand behind the projector as opposed to the camera. And uh, then I got into exhibition side of the business, and I certainly can do that better here than I can in L.A. Mm -hmm. I think it's really similar uh, with the the restaurant industry as well. It's a big source of pride in the Kansas City uh, culinary scene is – a lot of our young chefs will go 
to places like New York or even overseas to mm -hmm. Europe and stage and work in great restaurants. And then they always, uh, they always have this desire to come back home to Kansas City and then share what they've learned and do something really cool that helps add to the scene here. It's really, mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a cool thing to see. Great. Oh, it's a very cool thing. Butch, what, okay, so you've got that established now and, and then you, what happened with Screenland? Tell us about that whole. Well, you know, I, I came back to Kansas City and I realized I wasn't really going to practice law. I did a little bit of law, but you played a lawyer on TV like I do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I wanted to be involved in about two different things. One was commercial buildings because I love architecture and I love the history. And the other was the movie business. Mm -hmm. And I located in about 1993, 94, a building down in what was the, then an abandoned area, which was known as Film Row, and it's better known now as the Crossroads. But at 18th and Wyandotte, I found the old uh, Commonwealth Theaters building, and I could buy it very inexpensively. And it was a big building, 20 offices, parking, but it had a little bitty screening room. And the Commonwealth Theaters chain used that to screen movies in the 50s through about the 70s. So when I bought the building, I ended up renting four offices to four lawyer buddies, going back to the bank, borrowing more money when they saw the leases. And I built my way through and had 18 lawyer tenants in this little building. And so then the old screening room, I ended up renovating. And when I renovated the screening room, I went down to uh, Dallas, which at the time was the headquarters for most of the studios that handled our region, and made deals for the press and trade screenings to be run at Commonwealth Screening Room. And we called it the Old Film Row Screening Room after Old Film Row, which I eventually named my development company after. Mm -hmm. And uh, along the way, I bought the old Mid-Central Fish Building at uh, 17th and Washington. And as part of the development there, I built what I always wanted to build, and that was a little single-screen theater that would show the films that even at that time were not being shown in Kansas City. We started showing the Oscar-nominated shorts before anybody did. We brought in little under-the-radar films. And when it came time for a name, I remembered the old Screenland Cafe on Film Row and uh, ended up naming the theater and the circuit Screenland. And eventually that became the brand for our food products, our uh, you know real estate development, our event spaces, and the little Screenland Theater ended up um, really being the draw to the bigger real estate development. And so uh, it was at uh, 17th and Wyandotte for about 10 years, and now it's at 17th and McGee. I should say it was at 17th and Washington, now it's 17th and McGee. <laughs> yeah, we've got about 45 seconds left in this segment, but I think it's pretty interesting just to know why, why movie theaters or why movies, and they just kind of explained that very nicely. It kind of delves yeah. into all of your, you know, passions i guess it really say. harkens back to a hyperactive childhood where <laughs> i was going to drive everybody crazy in the house and my mother was told set them in front of a movie kids <laughs> get lost in movies when they're hyperactive and so every night at ten thirty, my mother and i would watch the million dollar movie and i became absolutely enamored with that business and i still am today mm -hmm. very cool we're talking to R Butch Rigby on Grill Nation today, the owner of Screenland Theaters in Film Row, LLC. Uh, we'll be right back after the break with more, and we're going to get into more about the movie industry as well as stuff going on in Kansas City. Thanks for listening. Your picture-perfect blue, sunbathing on the moon, stars shining as your bones illuminate. Well, you can tell everybody. Welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining me on the KMBZ Business Channel, 1660 AM, and on KMBZ.com. With guest co-host and contributor to Grill Nation, Ryan Maybe from um, the Rieger Hotel Grill and Exchange, and Jay Rieger and Co. Whiskey. We don't have any whiskey today, but uh, next, next time. Next, next time. Uh, we've been talking to Butch Rigby from Screenland Theaters and Film Row company and it's really fascinating to hear about his background and and whatnot i want to continue on that butch let's talk about again about the screenland theater so you you started in the film row area obviously then you moved to the what is now known as the crossroads and you've also expanded into other locations too this isn't just a one theater place yes that's correct uh you know if 
couple of years ago, or actually, I should say a couple, more like 10. Feels like a couple. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> uh, the city of Kansas City, Kansas approached us and asked us uh, if we'd be, would be interested in purchasing the old Granada Theater at 10th and Minnesota. We did that, operated it for about a year, and uh, just wasn't ready for prime time over there, but we were able to restore the old theater, and now it's being uh, used as a church, which is good because the pastor over there loves the building. And then we were approached by the city of North Kansas City a couple of years after that uh, to renovate the old Armor Theater in mm-hmm. North Kansas City. Which, which I, as a Northland kid, I remember going to that place when it was an old theater. I do too, the old Center Theater. <laughs> I think I saw, saw one of the Star Wars movies there at one point, yeah. back, back in the day. Back in the day. So we <laughs> renovated that. It operates to this very day as the Screenland Armor Theater. And, of course, we developed the real estate around it too. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we uh, just recently... Uh, moved the original Crossroads Theater over to 1701 McGee in the new East Crossroads area and renovated the building around it. Uh, we had a theater in Crown Center for quite a while, and that run just ended. So, you know, we're all over. You're all over the place. It's awesome. Uh, and then real quickly, I wanted to ask you another question about uh, the getting the movies. Take sure. us through that process because I think that's fascinating because people don't think about that. So you're an entrepreneur who – who obviously started some movie theaters. How did that work? Like, how did you get these big movies? I think I saw Batman at the uh, the Armor Theater. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we had established a relationship with all the major studios and all the small studios. And at first we ran pretty much exclusively small studio art films. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while we'd knock out a, a bigger film. And I remember when the little original Screenland ran Sex in the City, I had to really pester Warner Brothers to make a deal. And effectively what you do is you pay them a percentage of the film ticket box office revenue. Uh, the rental is usually on a major film anywhere from – 52 to 60%, depending on the deal. Um, you know, the upcoming Avengers movie will be, you know, on the high end, but it'll do fantastic business. And uh, some of the smaller films, you pay lower film rental. And I just, along the way, as I got into the first run business at the Armor, I made deals with each of the studios, signed all the paperwork, et cetera, et cetera. And it takes a while. But once you're established, they will uh, send you the product. Uh, you know, we went from motion picture film to digital hard drives, just like every other part of the industry. And, uh, you know. So does it? So it, when there's a new release pretty much every Friday, right, or every Wednesday? Every uh, Friday. Is it every Friday? And For the so, most part. And do you, do, you, do you get an alert or anything, or do you just find movies you really want? We pretty much use a booking service. Okay. We follow, we know the release schedule ahead of time, April 30th, which is a Thursday because all the studios on the big pictures, like you say, go to a Thursday or Wednesday sometimes, but we know when they're coming out. We talk to the distributors. There's a lot of rules. If you have uh, Avengers on the screen, nothing else plays on that particular screen during the run of Avengers. If you have uh, any major studio picture, you have to give it exclusive. So sometimes we can't get every film because we're playing, we're committed to playing something else. We're small, very small circuits, so we have to sort of uh, fight our way into the bigger pictures. Interesting. Ron, I know you had a question about um, the popcorn. Yeah, so Sc- Screenland Theater, I live uh, downtown in the crossroads, and that area of what used to be Film Row on Wyandotte that you've redeveloped, uh, I live in the, the popcorn lofts, the, the manly, old manly popcorn building. And... Uh, a few years ago, you told me about an idea that I just thought was was really cool about uh, doing a retail version of a Screenland branded popcorn. And yeah. uh, where's that at? Is that something that you're still working on? We're still working on it. You know, we put a lot of time and effort into some packaging design, uh, ways to make, you know, we made the popcorn in the theaters. And we have been constantly complimented on the popcorn. And it's really a simple thing. You use real coconut oil. You make the popcorn fresh every day. You spend more money on the ingredients. You get a very good brand of popcorn. A lot of theaters just look at the bottom line too much, and they get too cheap on ingredients, as you would know in the restaurant business. But we always had great success with the popcorn, and I thought I'd like to sell it retail because everybody sells movie theater-style popcorn, but nobody sells movie theater popcorn using the same equipment. So we have, uh, honestly, my company has been so involved in real estate development the last 18 months that we put the popcorn a bit on hold, so to speak. But now we're getting ready to start 
you know, printing the packaging and trying some retail spots and, you know, working from there. It's, you know, what a hyperactive child does. It's, well, it's a whole different venture when you go from running a, uh, an event space or a theater or something like that's on premise and then venturing into the, the retail world uh, where you're actually producing a, a product. Would you need a whole, uh, would you need to use a, an entirely different facility? Would you produce it on your own or would you outsource some of the production, packaging, all that? We will, well, we'll do two things. One, we'll find a good partner who can do a lot of the day-to-day work, just like I do in the theaters. I have Brent Miller and Adam Roberts who do an incredible job, and the theaters really are their baby. And uh, with the popcorn, I'll find a partner. But we'll start out making it on our machinery that we have either at the theaters or at one of my uh, sites. I have one in particular that I keep talking myself out of getting into the popcorn business as a retail location but we have an excellent location for it. So we'll keep it small only because I want to make sure that every single batch made is made the way I would make it in the theater. And sometimes you lose that when you get too big. When you when you grow, yeah. Yes. Hey, Butch, talk to me about Walt Disney and how he kind of affected all this because I know you had some – you, you were, were trying to restore his old, uh, his old building, weren't you? Yeah. Walt Disney, uh, of course, was from Kansas City and really started his professional career in Kansas City. Uh, a group of us started an organization called Thank You, Walt Disney, many years ago. And uh, it was really just to pay tribute to his heritage in Kansas City, but we eventually purchased his old uh, Laugh-O-Gram studio at 31st and Forest, just off Troost. And so we spent several years, and we renovated the building, and we put new roof on it, new structural steel, new brick. I mean, built it from the inside out. And now the building has been preserved And we are programming it with a group called the Digital Storytelling Group, and that's Ron Green. And they are working to place a digital storytelling center inside of that building. So it's more than just a museum. Uh, It's a great legacy. I got to know his uh, late daughter and his uh, grandson and the rest of his family pretty well uh, in, uh, in preserving that building. So right now the digital storytelling enterprise is, uh, Uh, getting ready to announce uh, the findings of our uh, research grants. And we've done a feasibility study. And hopefully it will be a part of a greater resurgence of 31st and Troost. Because Troost Avenue, as far as development goes, is one of the most important things that must happen in the next decade in this city if we're going to truly be everything this city can be. Interesting. Um, Let me see here. You were talking about – Let me. Uh, the development and whatnot and what's going on. And and I wanted to kind of talk about that because I think that you're doing different things in different areas now too. So I, so we think of you as the crossroads guy or a film row guy. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that a little bit more in the next segment. But talk to us about what's happening in Brookside. You know, Brookside, uh, especially what we call uh, Brook 63 or East Brookside, uh, is – really coming into its own. There was a uh, two-block stretch from 63rd and Oak to 63rd and Holmes that was for several years 85% vacant on one side of the street and 100% vacant on the other side of the street. And people were afraid of it. And honestly, the neighborhoods north and south have been fantastic. There's nothing bad that went on in this area. It was just empty and, and blighted. And so uh, I purchased, along with a partner, four buildings, the old Alon's Theater Building, the old Max's Auto Diner, which had been a bank drive through and then the old First Response Building and the old Doctor's Building, which was Cleveland Chiropractic College. At the same time, John Hoffman and Lance Carlton are building 23 market-rate apartments at 63rd and Holmes, and... Uh, The Stevie family is renovating and opening the Heirloom Bakery and the old Standard Station at 63rd and Oak. A guy named the Colonel, Colonel Lasseter, has bought the old Blockbuster and put a beautiful Levada salon in. And there's really about $10 million worth of development going on all of a sudden. And our goal, all of us share a common goal. A, we want it to be developed and developed correctly with good tendencies. And B, we want to work our way toward Troost because as we work toward Troost and as developers take Troost seriously, the people around Troost who've been doing all the hard work to keep it and uh, to live there and uh, can start enjoying the benefits of this great urban core. And so uh, I'm a big believer. We've got uh, tenants signed up for um, most of the buildings, including the new Brookside Event Center, Mm -hmm. where the Dugdales, who run our other event centers, will be putting on weddings and 
uh, bat mitzvahs and everything else. That's interesting because, you know, we don't talk enough about that that issue in Kansas City. You know, we don't talk about we we talk about the stuff going on downtown, which we'll get into next segment. We don't talk about that that corridor that you just talked about, oh, that Brookside to Truist, that, that street. You know what? Connecting Brookside to Truist is is a it's, it's so close. It's, it's a step so along close. the way. Yeah, you can't go over to Truist and start renovating because if you don't have a connector, it won't happen. No different than 18th and Vine downtown. But if you go along Brookside, you go along the 63rd Street corridor, and you <clears throat> you make that good. If you think about Truist from 20. In the 24th Street area, the Beacon Hill area, great, great things are going on. It's beautiful. The hospital area, it's beautiful. Then you get to 47th and Truist where Ollie Gates has been putting his money and his time and his efforts. It's beautiful. You get to the universities, uh, you know, Rockhurst and UMKC, it's really strong. But we need to work from about 27th and Truist to 43rd and Truist, and then we need to work from about 56th and Truist to 65th and Truist. Those areas are ripe prime and ready, but it's going to take a lot of people, especially 31st to Linwood and Troost. I think there's a great opportunity there, but it's going to take, uh, you know, kind of an effort by several developers to come together and work on that, that very beautiful part of our town with very, very fine people living over there. I love that, that section of Troost and 31st street. There are some fascinating old buildings that have been boarded up for, I don't know how long, but they're, they're really cool. I could see that being a, a hot area once it got redeveloped. Oh, and I, yeah. And you know what? The people that live there and work there today are incredible people. I used to sit on the Truce Midtown Association with several of them. And uh, I look forward to, uh, I, I look forward to our city being a complete city with other than just Crossroads and Brookside and Waldo. I want to see Troost, Mannheim Gardens, areas on the east side really come into their own. That's great. We got f- about 50 seconds left in the segment, but tell me about the building on McGee. Is that is that the uh, Tapco building you were telling me about? Uh, right? Bar Tapcade, right? Bar the Tapcade. old KC Star. Bar Tapcade. Yeah, uh, the old Kent City Star Circulation Building, 1701 McGee. I purchased with the idea of putting in the new Screenland Crossroads. My operators, uh, Brent Miller and Adam Roberts, also wanted to take their uh, beer concept. They're, they're passionate about craft beer, and they've installed 50 craft beers at the Armor. So they have, uh, you know, come up with the Tapcade concept. That is the bar part or the bar and restaurant part of the Screenland cool. Crossroads. And so they have 100 different beers uh, to offer, 30 game machines, and incredible food, great wraps. And so that building is the home to Generator Studio Architects, the Monarch Event Room, the Bow Exchange, Platinum Light and Sound, and the Paul Smith Salon, as well as the New Life City Church. Very interesting. That's at 17th and McGee. We're right back after the break with more with Butch Rigby. Thanks for listening. I got my records on. I shut the world outside until the lights come on. Welcome back to Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us on the KMBZ Business Channel 1660 AM. This is your host, Jason Grill, alongside Ryan Maybe Ryan, do you want to plug any of your uh, websites here? Where can we find you? Jay Rieger? <laughs> uh, yeah, right now you can find me on uh, jriegerco.com. That's the uh, the uh, reborn uh, Kansas City whiskey that we just brought back. And then we also have the restaurant uh, at thereegerkc.com. And Manifesto is our little uh, underground speakeasy bar that's sort of uh, – we have a – kind of a hidden page on our website. Of course you do. Uh, that <laughs> kind of plays on that whole speakeasy vibe. Very cool. Um, you can connect with the show, too, at grillnationshow.com and on Twitter at grillnationshow. Uh, we're going to continue on our segment here with Butch Rigby, final segment with Butch. Uh, it's been great. He's the owner of Screenland Theaters and Film Row LLC. Um, Butch, talk to me about Kansas City as a, as a movie uh, creation area. I know we have a lot of crew here. We talked about in the past Film Row all of these great studios were here at one point, all these great areas, and we're bringing that back. I mean, how important to that is that to this entire stuff that's happening with movies being made in Kansas City or TV shows? I mean, we're seeing more of it. I, I think we've seen more of it lately now that the film indus- the film commission is back in Kansas City. Yeah, you know, film film production in Kansas City isn't just a vanity piece. It's a real economic driver. I mean, the money that is spent on uh, movies, television commercials, uh, is really uh, quite impressive, and it spreads out throughout the region. But also, it puts us in the spotlight. You know, we are really getting 
the best reputation we've ever had nationally. The New York Times, Huffington Post, all of them are just fascinated with this city and the things going on here. And when we are exposed to the general public in a in a film or in maybe even a regional commercial or rock video, it just lends that much more allure to being here. Uh, as far as the film commission goes, I used to sit on the film commission, and our goal was to promote Kansas City as a location for filming. And it's not just because I'm a film nut, uh, but it's just because it's it's a great way to show off Kansas City. Recently, Steph Scuffum has been named the new film guru here in Kansas City, a position that was really vacated for mm-hmm. quite a long time. And the Film Society has really taken over what the, the Film Commission was doing. The Film Society was started around 24 years ago by John Shipp, myself, and several other people. And now there's a whole new young group of people kind of reinvigorating the Film Society. And uh, they're working with Steph and uh, the Film Commission and the EDC right. to make Kansas City a viable place to come and work and shoot your production. And I feel like most we were talking about when we filmed up in the air in Winter's Bone in Missouri in 2008, I think it was 2009, yes. on the St. Louis side, but then also in other areas of, of what that did. I mean, just having Oscar-nominated films made in your state. And a lot of the actors that I saw in those sets really liked filming movies in the state of Missouri. You know, everybody I know in the business has always told me that coming to Kansas City is terrific. They're treated well, and I know we've all heard it, but the Midwestern charm or the just the attitude of people they work with every day is engaging and comfortable and friendly. I think it's a reason a lot of us live here, and a lot of my friends in the film business moved here to raise their families. Tom Rucker was working with Clint Eastwood. He executive produced Space Cowboys. Uh, guys like that have been coming back to Kansas City for years now to do their work here. Jesse Pringle has been shooting a web series here. Again, he wants to stay in Kansas City. Dennis Fallon, all these yeah, guys. Right. <clears throat> Ryan, you get some. Uh, you want to ask Bush about uh, some of the developments? Yeah. So the uh, um, you've got the the screen on Crossroads now in the old KC Star Building, and uh, what was the address on that again? Seventeen oh one McGee. Excellent. With the with Bar Tapcade, uh in there as well as some other uh, businesses as well. And I'm I'm a Crossroads resident. I own a business in the crossroads and I've been committed to that part of uh, downtown Kansas city for, for over 10 years. And I feel like it's finally getting to where uh, I envisioned it would have been about five years ago. That's what I was hoping for. And it's, I feel like it's finally getting there. I'm kind of wondering on uh, what, what's your take on the streetcar development and uh, the, how that's impacting business or development. And, and as a developer, uh, how does that affect your outlook for building businesses in the crossroads? Well, as a developer, you know, I looked at the streetcar and I've always supported it because I think at one point or another, we've got to get a mass transportation system and you've got to start somewhere. I was a bit skeptical as to its real impact in this first beginning line, but I'll have to admit I'm becoming a convert. I had coffee with some of the developers who are building the new apartment building over by the Rieger Mm -hmm. and they said they were absolutely brought here because of the streetcar. They are very interested in Kansas City outside the streetcar line now. They are very interested in uh, Kansas City as a development market, mm-hmm. as a lot of out-of-town people are, because you really can buy real estate here reasonably and you can develop it. And I think that there's some great logic in why we develop in Kansas City as opposed to the West Coast or the East Coast. And what, talk about some of that, Butch, about the logic about why Kansas City. Well, I had a conversation during a very cold day this winter with my neighbor across the street, who is also a developer, Lance Carlton. And I said, um, boy, why aren't we back in California in the warm weather? He goes, because we could never do what we do in California because we couldn't afford the real estate. And the truth of the matter is, Kansas City has a very reasonable market for real estate. And that means that we can renovate buildings historically. We have a great stock of buildings here. And we have great development tools as far as the historic tax credits go because you can't afford to renovate historic buildings right now. It costs more than building new. And I'm sorry, and I don't mean any insults to 119th and Row, but that's a great example of it looks like a lot of places all over this country. And Kansas City has a unique building stock. And a lot of the developers out in California are looking at a 4% return on investment, a four cap. 
And if they're getting a four cap and if they're buying these buildings that way, they have nothing to do but try to increase revenues. And a lot of times that means you go to market credit, you know, national credit tenants, you remove the small businesses, you remove the Mildred's coffee houses and you replace them with Starbucks. And unfortunately, you know, you start homogenizing some of the old stock. Well, in Kansas City, we can buy a building, we can renovate a building, and we can rent that building to Mildred's. We can rent it to Snow and Company, a startup. We can rent it to small restaurateurs. We can rent it to a small hair salon. And I think it's important that local developers continue to do that. Crossroads really is becoming, in Kansas City, Missouri, the place where the small independent restaurants, small businesses can still find a home. And, you know, it's going to take a while. It's going to take more residential. But as you can see, it's booming downtown again. Yeah, it is. It really is. And there's, I mean, I'm going to move downtown at the end of the year, but it's just apartments, multifamilies going up. You know, it's great. Yes. It's, it, and I always am like, can we fill all these things? And you're just telling me off air, Ryan, there's 98% full. As, as far as I know, all the, the, the residential uh, buildings in the crossroads are at 98% occupancy and to find a uh, rental unit, uh, a single-bedroom loft or a two-bedroom loft is, is near impossible. You have to be on a wait list. So yeah, to see true. these new developers building more residential buildings, you know, whether it's spurred by the streetcar or spurred by uh, whatever, I mean, this, that's a great thing to see because more people are wanting to, to move down there. And office space is really hard to get in the crossroads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I was full months before we even finished construction. And, of course, you know, it – been a struggle to keep up with the tendencies. I guess that's a good problem. Well, I think it's also a really uh, valid point to to salvage these old buildings. I mean, there's so much character, so much architectural character in downtown oh. KC and in the crossroads, and to to make an effort and make it a priority to save those buildings and repurpose them is, is really really important. Oh, walk into our, uh, Generator Studio Architects at 1701 McGee. Uh, Tom Probstall and Mike Kress have done an incredible job with their office. They stayed downtown. They're doing things all over the metro area, but they are very, very good example of somebody who could adapt these old buildings and especially their own office space in my building. And uh, you'll understand it. Uh, right now, the East Crossroads is exploding, which I've wanted it to do that for 10 years. <laughs> and it is. Um, Butch Rigby, it's uh, time to <clears throat> finish up the interview with one of our last segments on the show. We call this we're going to put you on the grill. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, this, this segment is brought to you by Kenny Ertz Perry Law Firm. Um, Butch, these are some quick questions for you. We haven't prepped, Butch. That's, that's not the way the segment works. So uh, we want to know, what is your favorite movie of all time? Giant. James Dean, Rock Hudson, Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> awesome. You're prepared. What was your favorite movie you saw last year? It's either going to be Interstellar or Guardians of the Galaxy. I know I should say an art film, but I loved Guardians of the Galaxy. That was so refreshing and so fun. Yeah, and I didn't see either of those, so that's uh, something I, I need I to <laughs> something I need to see, huh? Um, what uh, what movie are you most excited about in 2015? Now that we're in April, Star Wars. Yeah, Star the Wars. New Star Wars. J.J. Abrams. Absolutely, the old cast of characters. I love it, and it's uh, December eighteenth, right? It's right around Christmas. Yeah, that is correct, right, right around there. So that'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm sure that's the the movie that all the families will see. Uh, what is your favorite city outside of Kansas City to go to? My favorite city to go to is probably New York City, San Diego. Very close. That's like a second home to me, San Diego. San Diego's pretty chill, huh? Yeah, it's but just, New York know. City. How do you not love New York City? Okay. Um, Favorite whiskey? <laughs> Rieger. <laughs> I got to throw that in there because we had a guy from uh, another company I won't name, but I, my co-host asked about favorite sock company and right. the owner of sock, one of the co-founders of Sock 101, and he said some other company. So now we throw that in there. Whoever our guest is, we'll throw out favorite whiskey uh, every like time that. Ryan's on I the like show. Um, what is your favorite barbecue, Butch, in Kansas City? It's a tie. Arthur Bryant's and Gates. I love them both. And George Gates is a long, long time friend, great friend of mine. And I'm not saying it just because he mm-hmm. is, but uh, it is Arthur Bryant's and uh, Gates Barbecue. You got one, right? I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Um, with your legal background, passion for Kansas City history, architecture, development, uh, and entrepreneurial uh, spirit, when are you going to run for mayor? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you know what? If I ever find my mind so I can lose it again, that's, we have a great mayor right now. I'm letting do. him do all the hard work. He's doing you all know, the hard work. I mean, at one point in my life, uh, it would be a, a wonderful thing to do only because I was, I was just reading something in my baby book and my mother passed away recently and I l- opened it up. And when I was in high school, you know, my mother made us write down what we thought we should be doing with our lives as we, you know, ventured out. And I said something that I'm amazed I said at that time. I want to be able to spread my enthusiasm for everything I do to other people around me. And what better way to spread your enthusiasm about this incredibly great city than to be mayor? But fortunately, we've had some very, very good ones in the recent years. Uh, Kay Barnes and uh, Sly James and... uh, you know, we, we'll leave. We, we'll leave it at that. Right. <laughs> we did leave it at okay, that. Okay. Okay. So, but uh, who is the favorite actor you've ever met? My favorite actor that I've ever met. Well, you know what? Uh, I think one of my favorite guys I sat and talked to was Robert Forster, and you would recognize him as the bail bondsman in Jackie Brown. And I worked on a movie <laughs> with him before he had done this, but he was the most genuine and sincere and great guy to talk to it was just like talking to your uncle right and uh he really gets it and he's a really talented guy and if you haven't seen jackie brown watch that movie it's quentin tarantino's movie he plays the bail bondsman he was nominated for an oscar for that role he did not win interesting and then on the other side of the coin least favorite actor you've ever met (laughs) gotta ask that oh boy There, there were a couple, uh, there was a young actress, and to be honest with you, I can't even remember her name on a movie set, but her best friend was Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah was fine on this set. This young woman thought she was so very special that she and the co-star wouldn't give some young kids an autograph, so I signed it for them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll, let's just say I'll forget her name, but I believe it was Hillary something or another. Very cool. Uh, Butch Rigby, uh, Screenland Theaters, and Film Row LLC, doing great stuff here in kansas city and and throughout the country and uh we're lucky to have you on grill nation so appreciate you coming on the show today and uh hopefully we'll see you again soon thank great to be here my two great friends thanks thanks for listening to the grill nation show have a great week take care